Hi guys, welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will. You guys know what we do here. We talk about issues that could split your church. We challenge the status quo. And of course, we help you escape your church's echo chamber. Uh, so don't forget to like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. Uh, also, go check out the uh, Apple podcast. Please leave us a five-star review or don't if you want to hate on us. That's cool. We love haters. So just go ahead and don't subscribe to the channel and pick a more ordained ministry for yourselves. That's perfectly fine. But uh, today I have a special guest with us and, uh, and her name is Autumn and she has chosen to come onto the channel after uh, we reached out and we discussed some things. And the thing is, is uh, on this channel, a lot of times we talk about theology, we talk about doctrinal issues. And once in a while, we'll have a discussion with somebody who has maybe left uh, a particular type of church or has gone through a certain experience in the church. But we haven't really focused a lot on people who have been through some serious, uh, what we would call what would be considered like a serious derailing than getting back on the rails. And as somebody who has done that himself, I have found that to be um, an area that's kind of lacking in the church, and mainly because it becomes taboo, where we're, we get all a little weird and about these things, and we're like, oh, we don't want to talk about that. That makes us uncomfortable. And I think that's a, I think that's a shame, because I think there's a lot of people's stories out there that could be a blessing. And so Autumn has chosen to come on here, talk to us about her experiences within the IFB, leaving the IFB, and coming back to the Lord, and all that good stuff. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to welcome Autumn to the show. So hello, Autumn. How are you? Hello. I'm, I'm good. I'm, <laughs> good. I'm great. Great. Perfect. Uh, now, for those who do not know, she did say she was having like a, some voice issues. So she does not smoke 12 packs a day. So <laughs> no, no, I don't. <laughs> perfect. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. So Autumn, uh, you know, would you mind giving our audience a little bit of background on who you are and, and what you do and, uh, you know, where, where, were you, where you grew up in? Yeah, um, so I'm from Kentucky. Um, I grew up, was born into the IFB, um, went to Christian school, K through 12. I guess I, I homeschooled for a few years throughout that. Um, I went to church my whole life, you know, the whole Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all the meetings in between, all the youth meetings and, and so on and so forth. Um, all the ministries that you could think of, you know, us ministry and choir, teaching some classes here and there, uh, nursery. My, um, my parents divorced when I was 10. So like a year or two after that happened, we, I ended up moving to a different church and I really got steeped even more so into ministry at that point. Um, it was easier and accessible and I was getting older. So I had more time to, to do things as, you know, a young adult. Um, and then uh, later on we went to um, another church in Georgetown, Kentucky. And I really think that's where I began to kind of see myself potentially being in a ministry position, um, whether it was just, you know, like a church secretary or uh, like youth pastor's wife, pastor's wife, something along those lines. It's really, really began like preparing my mind and whatnot for potentially being in full-time ministry um 
just by what I was doing. I was teaching, I don't know if you're familiar with Patch the Pirate. I'm sure you are. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I taught the Pee Wee Club for a little bit. And my mom taught that too. When I went away to college, she continued teaching that. And like, I would help when I came back from breaks and whatnot. Um, and uh, choir, we did this thing called Gospel Blitz, which actually I really liked because it took the anxiety away from knocking on people's doors. I hated that. <laughs> it was just this little flyer you had to stick on their door and walk away. Um, which is totally at my alley. 100% introvert. I don't like talking to people. <laughs> so um that was that was nice. Um and then I actually did get to work for the church that I was attending um with secretarial things helping fill out those uh those cards that some churches have you fill out like to to contact with you later um they had a spreadsheet for that and i would help organize that so that we can make sure we were hitting all the buttons um so it was while we were attending that church where i actually did go off to bible college i went to the heartland baptist bible college in oklahoma city right yep familiar um, with it yeah and i was a hundred percent since i was 12 years old going to be on a tour group i absolutely love singing i love singing with my brother and sister it's probably my favorite memory growing up is is just the music that we had um, my dad's side of the family is huge on on music and the harmony and it's just oh it's my favorite thing you can't beat it <laughs> i relate with that that's absolutely i'm I'm a big music geek myself, so great. Oh, yeah. That was, like, my big thing in church. I was always singing, always, um, yeah. It was it was my thing where, and honestly, I feel like I use music to feel connected to God instead of through, like, ministering and preaching. Like, that was my thing. I would go to church for the music. Um, and I'm even more learning more about that now is I'm adult trying to find a church that I can go to is, is I, if, if I don't like the music, I don't want to go. And I'm learning more about how that's like, not really okay. in in my eyes, like I just, <laughs> I need to go for what I'm being fed, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, but I did actually get on the singing group when I was in, was when I was in college there, my, sophomore year which would have been uh, i think 2014 or no it was 2015 the fall of 2015 i think um so i actually met my ex while i was on the group we traveled to their church and uh I really think that my ignorance um, and lack of knowledge for what any kind of relationship was, like just talking to boys, not being allowed to do it for so long, I, I didn't know, I really didn't know what was right or wrong. I mean, I did, I did to the extremes, but the little nitpicky things here and there that kind of can lead to more extremes I didn't have any idea about, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I think that led to 
a lot of ultimately what happened but uh, actually I, w- I wanted to talk about that for a second here because for some of our audio listeners and by the way for those of you who are who are going on normally watching on youtube um we actually are doing a different setup today with just Zoom. So there's not a video on her end and we don't have the normal OBS structure. So you might as well just watch listen to audio because that's basically what the show is going to be. So, um, but the thing is what you'd mentioned there. So those who are not familiar, you know, you said you were steeped in IFB, that's Independent Fundamental Baptist. And of course, they're an extreme conservative group of fundamentalist Baptists. And by conservative, they're almost cultish. Some of them are cultish and they don't allow you really to speak to the opposite sex for constant fear of immorality or sexual things happening. So you're very discouraged. I'm just trying to give context for people. You're very discouraged to talk to each other. Um, You're not even allowed to give like a buddy hug. Sometimes you're not even allowed to handshake. So everything, any interaction you have with the opposite sex is a taboo which it makes it really difficult when you start exploring a relationship. So very difficult. Yeah. Because you have no idea what the heck you're doing. You have no idea how to talk to people. As you mentioned, you have no idea how to even engage um, in those things are also because you're so sensitized. It's not desensitized. You're so sensitized where even a handholding can make somebody suddenly have like a sexual rush because mm-hmm. you're not even used to such small engagements. So it's funny because I think in, in an effort to co- squash sexual immorality, they've actually helped. Lighting a fire oh. under it. Boom, exactly. So uh, I have a whole episode. I'm going to go on a rant about that. But <laughs> um, good, you should. It'll be good. It'll be good because there's a lot of problems with it. And, uh, and I think that's why we see a lot of certain sexual abuses and other things that occur. So anyway, I didn't mean to steal your thunder there. I just wanted to give some context there. So no, yeah. You, so you, you said you met your ex there and then, you know, you had no idea how to explore those things. So that's kind of where you left off. Sorry. Yeah. And with me being an introvert, it just made it so much more worse. I, <laughs> yeah, made it so much worse. Um, but we actually reconnected a few months later uh, on Facebook, actually. And he started messaging me. We started talking. Um there were some things throughout it that were like off. I didn't, I was like, that doesn't seem right, but I didn't, uh, I didn't know. Um, I ended up traveling one summer with the group, came back from that summer and they do a big youth rally at the end. And then one of the groups is picked or they rotate it. I'm not exactly sure how they do it. I don't remember um, to come to the youth rally and sing and you get to stay on campus with the people who come to the rally. And and then um, I came back to school that fall and was asked to stay on the group for another year. But in February um, is when I actually found out that I was pregnant. <clears throat> And I went and, and lived with, with him. Um, I didn't really, it's not true. I had places to go. I had plenty of places to go, but I was scared. I didn't want to disappoint. I didn't, I just, I, I mean, I was, a, I was a mess. I, I was a true, honest mess. Well, um, that can, uh, to touch on that, uh, in your defense, the IFB, again, because of how extreme it is, 
if you you're pregnant now and i'm assuming that you're not married right it's out of wedlock at this point right it's out of wedlock right so <laughs> you get pregnant out of wedlock and suddenly you are the biggest disappointment and not just yep. the biggest disappointment but it's going to be public shaming it's going to be possibly going in front of the church confessing your sins to everybody and then everyone whispering things behind it's just it's then you become the person on the on the island who's at the church, but you're isolated from everybody and everyone just looks at you. And for lack of a better term on here, but we know how the IFB looks at things. They're like, oh, you know, she's just, she's just the little slutty girl in the church. She's a little whore in the church. And, you know, that's going to be what you're thinking in your mind because that's yeah. what they say. That's the kind of language yeah. that's often used. Um, and- talking about public shaming, my pastor actually went in front of the church, would not allow my mom and stepdad into the auditorium and told the whole church what I had done without me even being there. I, I wasn't even there. <laughs> Which is a complete violation of Matthew 18. I, it, it blew my mind. I was like, what the heck is happening right now? But um, because of the abuse that I went through, I actually miscarried. Um, mm. And we ended up getting married anyway. Um, it, yeah, looking back on it, it blows my mind. But I, we, I was with him <clears throat> for about six months and then I left in December after there was there was a an incident that just kind of ended it I was like I'm not I'm not putting up with this anymore I'm not doing it I don't have to do this and actually my ex's aunt called my dad and my dad was there the next morning (laughs) I had no idea I got full night's sleep it was great I woke up the next morning and my dad was five minutes away waiting for <laughs> to leave to pick me up it was great um so came back and tried to get back into church but um my ex was a youth pastor and his dad was the pastor with seeing what I had seen knowing that there was an abuser in a position at a church working with children, teenagers, um, I, it really put a shadow on my head. I mean, the whole situation did. I, I just put a shadow on my head. I was like, what am I doing? Why do I want to be where I am right now? Why do I want to go to this church that, that publicly humiliated me tried to reconnect with this church I came back and they actually wanted me to try to get back together with my ex because we were married oh naturally and they're like yeah you can have a move within a couple hours so you always have people to monitor your your happenings and and I was like this is psychotic man this is not cool (laughs) Like the same people that had a mental breakdown on the phone with us trying to get me to come home are the same people who are trying to get me to get back together with the psycho. Uh, um, And that's actually the thing, right? Because another thing that I have is that divorce, they say, is never, ever, ever permissible, ever. And if you do, and again, so, all right, so you got the pregnancy out of the wedlock. And then you're going through the divorce. Yep. And, and if you are, you know, if people don't probably who don't aren't familiar with IFP culture, they will even encourage you if you've been divorced and you're remarried, they will consider the fact that your remarriage 
is actually out of the will of God and you need to try to go back to the original spouse, um, which is why you don't fight a lot of divorced couples that are, have been remarried in IFP churches because that's mm -hmm. super offensive. <laughs> and uh, the other issue there is, of course, the, in the biblical setup is there actually are biblical reasons for divorce. And they, of course, ignore that and they push that. So I'm just trying to give more context here because what's really happening. So once you've been through pregnancy out of wedlock and through the divorce, you are now officially the black sheep, the blackest of the sheep in there that uh, they probably just look at you as the big project of the church, uh, more the burden, if anything else. Am I, am I wrong in my assumption there? No. Okay. I, I mean, and to uh, add to it, I'm the niece of a very prominent pastor in Kentucky. So not only have I completely embarrassed my family, but like the whole church knows, you know, how all of that goes. Um, and you do then not no sound one, like you're from Kentucky, by the way. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't. My husband's my husband does, but I I don't. Um, when you said I was raised in Kentucky, I was just my, my brain kind of collapsed on itself for a second, but we're good. We're on track. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously I wasn't going to do that. But at that point, I kind of felt like betrayed. I mean, it, as if I shouldn't have already kind of felt that way anyway. That's when it really hit me that I felt betrayed. I felt uh, like I shouldn't be there. But I didn't want to go to my uncle's church. And I tried to shop around at some other churches to see if I could find something to go to just to kind of make my mom happy because I was living with my parents again. Um, trying to make my dad happy, trying to get my family off my back because I really didn't want to go. <clears throat> I had no desire to go. Um, I would listen sometimes on Sunday mornings to like some, a sermon online or, or whatnot. Uh, but I, I really, I just, I didn't want anything to do with it just because of the hurt and disappointment that I had found. Um, well, I mean, going through all the shunning and the, and the betrayal that you went through and instead of coming around and supporting you, you know, you were kind of kicked while you were down. So I could see why that would happen. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, but my mom, my mom was great. She really was. She was, and I'm going to come around a little bit more to this later. She was the person who really set an example for me of what, um, what it is to be genuine, <clears throat> even, even in the face of a whole bunch of steaming crap. She was, she was great to me. She was very supportive. Um, I actually was um, living with her and I stopped going to church completely and really started uh, exploring what I had quote unquote missed out on growing up. I, uh, that's when I started, you know, drinking um, and I downloaded some dating apps and just I, I really tried to fill a hole with not so much alcohol, but sex for sure. As that's what I tried to fill my hole with. Um, and I think also with my parents being divorced, I just had a lot of daddy issues and 
that also was trying to compensate for that, um, trying to hide from it, trying to not feel it. Uh, it was a very, a very dangerous and scary path that I was taking. Looking back on it, like things could have gone wrong so many times. I mean, it, I'm in some situations, I'm, I'm kind of lucky to, to be here. I really saw that God was protecting me, even though I wasn't wanting anything to do with his protection, per se. Mm. Um, I actually met my current husband on Tinder. Um, <laughs> surprisingly. I think um, everyone's heads explode right there. <laughs> yes, explode as big as it can. Like I have found a man that has shown me how God is supposed to, or how a man is supposed to love a woman according to how God loves the church. Hmm. I didn't know what it meant when they said a man is supposed to love a woman the way that God loves the church. God loves the church. I didn't get that. It made no sense in my head because church was something that you did all these things to get affection back from the church. Mm. So for me to have met my husband and really know what love is from a biblical standpoint is, is huge and something that I don't feel like I deserve, but I'm thankful for. Um, but yeah, I met that guy on Tinder. He is... <laughs> He, he's he's fantastic he's actually the reason that I actually admitted that I was pulling away from IFB at the time I didn't really know what that meant I just knew that it was it was a religion it was not a relationship with God religion is something that we believe in this household is man-made and not it's not what god intended he intended a relationship you know i not all these rules that that religion puts on people right um, well it kind of flips it on its head right when you have a relationship with god it's i'm now doing the things to obey god because i do love him and because yes. I have a relationship with him, like having a good relationship with my spouse, because I love my wife, it challenges me to be a better husband because I want to, because I love her and yes. she's shown me so much love and grace in return. But otherwise, if let's say in a, in an abusive relationship, it's just me trying to earn your favor Yes, and pray that you're not angry with me that day for whatever given reason. And, yes. uh, you know, and it's just, great because it's like it sounds like to me like you found grace in both relationship and god at the same time yes that's awesome um i really think that god used my relationship to show me grace i really do um <clears throat> me meeting my husband i really believe saved my life turned my life around um yeah just the opposite of what i had causes anger causes bitterment causes resentment and that it was the definition of who i was i was so angry um and it was just all of these wounds just festering um over time it just it added up it 
was consuming my mind. Um, but after I met my husband, we, he's actually in the, in the Navy. <clears throat> Sorry. You're fine. To, uh, and the Navy actually sent him to a school in Kentucky that I was working five minutes away from. Um, and that's actually, you know, where we met. If it wasn't for the Navy sending him to that school, we probably wouldn't have met. <laughs> um, just a little side note in there. Um, I really tried to mend my relationship with God at that point. Uh, after we were in a solid relationship, um, he went on a deployment. And I really started to, I, I wanted, I wanted to read my Bible. I wanted to learn more about, I didn't even really want to learn more. I, uh, just being honest, I just wanted the, the feeling. I wanted the connection. I wanted to talk to God. I wanted to hear from him. And that's why I started doing it. That's why I wanted to start doing it. Because part of me knew that this deployment was going to suck. And I needed that. I needed to. I needed that relationship. Um, so I really got, had my life on track at that point. I was reading my Bible. You know, I was getting up. I had a routine of working out. I was eating well. I just felt <clears throat> really good. Um, and it was a few months, probably about six months after that, I guess. I posted a video on my Facebook, kind of talking about, you know, just a little bit about what we were talking about, how um, it wasn't because of a bunch of rules that I was doing this. Um, it was because I wanted to. It was because I had a desire to grow this. I didn't have to follow this yearly Bible reading plan that if you don't check it off, you're, you're not doing good. <laughs> Such a classic. Better watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> and there were, there was one person in particular who thought that I was bashing my uncle. They thought that I was bashing, you know, what they believe and, and how they do things. And I wasn't, I really wasn't. That's not where I was coming from. That wasn't my intent at all. I'm I over was here just... like, if the shoe fits. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but I was coming from a place where, you know, I wanted my friends and family to see that even if you go through awful things, even if you come to a place where you don't think that the church or God would want anything to do with you, like you can have this relationship that is fulfilling and safe and and full of joy and that was literally the only thing i was trying to communicate and when i was kind <clears> of <throat> chewed out and bashed for that video uh it kind of kind of stopped everything again i it, i just i stopped i Stopped everything, really. Um, stopped going to the gym. Stopped eating well. Didn't do as well as work. At well, as well at work. I just it shut me down. I was like, I was doing 
so good. I was at a place where I felt like I was actually getting, I was healing. And, you know. Um, yeah, well, and what sticks out to me with that, and because I, for people, you know, it's like, here you were healing, you're building, and you're like, oh my goodness, it's so profound. Of course, it's about a relationship with God. Of course, it's about those things. But then you get shot down again. And again, you aren't familiar with much of the church world outside of the IFP. This is a situation I was dealing with as well. There was this whole, I am, I keep going back to the IFB and it's like the dog that kept returning to its vomit, but I didn't know anything else. Yeah. So I just kept going back and then I kept getting punched in the face. And then people were like, why is Will so angry all the time? I'm like, because I'm tired of getting punched in the face. (laughs) 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 So, uh, you know, after a while that, yeah, I understand what you're saying there. Cause you know, I hit a point in time where I was like, you know what? Screw it. Screw these people. I can't make anyone happy. I do the right thing. I get yelled at. I do the wrong thing. I get yelled at. I may as well do the wrong thing and have fun. That was my mentality that I eventually switched to. And of course, God got me back on track. That's another story for another time. Uh, But mine's very similar to yours in certain senses. So, um, but, you know, I didn't go through an abusive relationship though, but anyway, Um, but, you know, the thing is, is, as you're saying there, you know, so you, you experience again, all these people lashing out at you and now you have to bring it back. And, but, but you're falling apart at this point again. Like, you're just kind of like, okay, you know, you probably hit the screw it. Right. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like, I yep. really did. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, at, at this point, uh, a couple of months after this, my husband came back from deployment and, um, we weren't married at this time, but we were, we're obviously we're going to be, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, We, um, we got together a few more times to be able to see each other, him coming here, I go there, whatever. Um, we ended up getting married in August. And um, at that point, it was like my, fi- my family, uh, the people who had bashed me, they kind of got off my back because like, oh, she's married now. Yeah, you're validated. You're married. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like it makes anything better. I mean, it does, but not in the sense that they were thinking. Well, um, another IFB culture thing, right? Yeah. You aren't considered an adult or validated as a human being unless you're married. Especially so, as a female. Exactly. If you're a woman, especially as a woman. As a man, you might be able to get some of that, like, well, he's a man. He's just a young man. We're trying to take over the world, do his thing. Good job, man. Go be a man and go find yourself a woman. And uh, but with the girls, it's like, oh, you're a helpless, pitiful little princess in a tower until you're married. So yeah. anyway, it's it's so. And then they wonder why so many of the girls actually don't go on and get married or go on and, and live a fulfilled life. It's because they haven't been equipped to. They have, yeah. They've been. I mean, if you've been locked in the same four walls their entire life, they have no idea how to interact with the outside world. You've been trained to be a glorified janitor your whole life, if, especially mm-hmm. if you go through a Christian school and a Bible college. You've been trained to be a glorified janitor instead of teaching you how to actually make a life for yourself. If God forbid, you don't find that perfect husband that's going to take care of you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. So, yeah. so sorry about that. I was just that popped out and I was like, Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I, so yeah, these people got off your back. <laughs> yes. Um, and 
you know, at that point, I really leaned on my husband to to do his thing. You know, I kind I have expected him to to lead and be. Um, I, I just to be our, our leader in our home spiritually. Um, we kind of we both <clears throat> grew up in different backgrounds. Like we both grew up in very strict um, religious homes, but both had come to the point where we didn't want that. We wanted the real deal. Um, so trying to find a church really has proved difficult, especially being in a Navy town, which this is a huge thing. Uh, if, if there's a church in a Navy town or a military town in general, so many churches that we have gone to, to try to find a community to, to just grow with they treat you as a temporary and even sometimes have a whole different ministry that they want to put you in. They don't even want to let you in, in the large congregation. Uh And that was so frustrating. And it's like, all they want to know is how long you're going to be here. (laughs) And I'm like, you don't even know what my name is. You don't even know where I've come from, what I'm capable of or what I can offer you like to help this, this, community but uh so we just tried to go to church on on base which is basically a non-denominational um church where legally they have to do communion every week because it's a military church and it just felt empty and not anything that i wanted to go to but we went because we wanted to go to church and then COVID happened and then he wasn't allowed to go to church because the military wasn't allowing us to go to church or wasn't allowing him. I could go by myself. Um, but because we didn't have an established place, I didn't want to go. I mean, yeah, that'd be a little awkward. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally uncomfortable. And I'm an introvert and I have, uh, a horrible habit of looking like I'm going to kill you if you don't know me. So don't you dare come talk to me. I'm one of those people. <laughs> sorry, that, not sorry. Got that face going on. <laughs> yeah, it's just like leave me alone. <laughs> um, the entire oh, face goodness. says, "Back off! Don't talk to me." <laughs> uh, yeah, it's amazing that you're an introvert and you actually said, "I'm willing to come on to talk about my story." It's just crazy. I'm just my head kind of exploded now that I, just, I know that. There's so much pain that I have healed and am healing from that it's not, I, I have, I want to help people. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to have to go through what I went through to get to where I am today, um, so, which is okay. a place of, you know, especially with having a child on the way is just coming to a place of learning what what we want to bring up our, ch- our, ch- our children in um, and growing together and learning you know about each other and about God and it's really a 
a really comfortable and safe and beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I'm very Absolutely. thankful for it. That's awesome. And that, that's things like finding, finding a good church is hard too. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to be part of Frontline Bible Church and to help there and do what I do there. And I'm, I'm so thankful for the church family, the community it creates. But I didn't realize that a lot of churches in military towns were like that, which is super sad because we're supposed to be the body of Christ where no matter where we're at, we have community. Like, yes. I don't know anybody, but I can walk in that place and have community because we're united in Christ. Mm-hmm. And the fact, I didn't know that about military, that that's a thing in military towns. And that's a, that's a culture in itself to speak to. That's, mm-hmm. that's some ideas for some future exploration on this program, because that is sad. And especially soldiers who are already huge in their families like yourself, who are already mm-hmm. isolated from everything because they're traveling, you know, they're being deployed wherever. Mm-hmm. And now, so you're alienated from family, separated from them, but now you can't even have a church that you engage in properly. Yeah. That's sad. Uh, that, that would be a very lonely existence. Very frustrating. Yeah. Um, I am sorry. That's, that's tough. Um, you know, and one of the things is here, like you said, you wanted to help people and whatnot. And I think people, what, some people need to give themselves permission almost to it's okay to to it's okay to be angry it's okay to feel the hurt but once you allow yourself to be only consumed by it then that's when that's when the the bad things often takes place right Mm -hmm. when you're because it clouds your judgment um so what was so going back to that a little bit what would you say were some of the key underpinnings of your experience that made you kind of go in that direction? Was it just the, the harshness and the abuse of the church, the hypocrisy of it all? Like, how, how, how would, what do you think was the things that put you over the deep end to begin with? Um, <clears throat> I think to begin with, like kind of what's got, what started the ball rolling is that I'm a very big people pleaser. I live to follow the rules. I I don't like disappointing people. And so when I made these mistakes and I saw what it had done, I, it, it drove me crazy. I hated the fact that I had disappointed people. I hated the fact that I had made choices that I had grown up saying, I'm not going to make those. I'm not going to be that statistic. Um, you know, just those feelings of guilt and shame on top of not having followed the rules made me made me distant it took me away from even even the guidance of my mom or my grandparents or you know my family in general the people who really saw me for who i was instead of the rules that i'd broken i distanced myself from that because i knew that i disappointed them even though I really didn't have to, it was by my own personal choice. I just, um, I mean, anytime there's a rift, it's going to drive people away. Um, but because I think I had distanced myself from those people that had been my safe place my whole life, I didn't have any of my own like interests or hobbies or anything that I could fall back on to provide any kind of 
structure or safe safeness to my life. I mean, even the thing that I love most, which is music, all I knew was hymns and like <laughs> church stuff. Like who wants to sing that when you're sleeping around with people? Like it just doesn't work. Right. Well, uh, I just feel guilty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to Southern gospel on my way to my next hookup. Like it's just not, I'm not going to do that. Um, so I didn't have, I didn't have anything that I could call my own in order to help mend any relationships. Um, so I just, I fell away deeper from that. I, I really think that, that what caused a lot of it was just me being um, taught that, you know, rules are everything and family is everything, which family is everything, but it's, I, I, I shouldn't say that it's not everything. If, well, if I, I think I know what you mean though. Like if, because it's like family is everything, right? But if that's, but if your bar is, you can't ever disappoint your family and your family is not going to support you and build you up if you screw up, because that's what family is supposed to do, right? Like my family. And, and to- some of it did. Some of my family right. really did. Exactly. Yeah. When you had mentioned your mom was there and all that through all that. And actually, that's a great question. When you were going through all this, with all the stuff, I mean, you went through abuse with your ex, you went through all these different things. Uh, wh- how was your family's response to you? I know your mom supported you. There was others that just kind of like, yeah, she's a mess. We're going to just pretend she doesn't exist. Did you go through that? Like, just curious about what the family um, dynamic would have been. Uh you don't have to my say anyone by name. Family, my mom's side of the family didn't. They didn't do that. My mom's side of the family, you know, they grew up Baptist mm-hmm. for the majority of it, but they weren't IFB. Gotcha. Super strict with all the rules. My grandparents, my grandparents were, but they weren't, they weren't so judgy IFB like, like that. Um, my mom was my best friend my whole life especially after my parents divorced like me and my mom were super super close so it really it really was hard on my mom because not only did she felt like you know she kind of lost a daughter to all of this especially when I when I moved away and was married to my ex but lost her best friend uh, on top of that Um, so my mom was really she didn't ostracize me or anything. Um, my dad's side of the family, they didn't, my dad didn't ostracize me. My dad, my dad has lived a double lifestyle basically his whole life. You know, um, he was the song leader and director when my parents got divorced. He was demoted from that position, but it was one of those things where you're good at music so you can be in front of the church singing and ministering even though you probably shouldn't be like it was just you're good at music we want to hear you sing but that's a whole nother <clears throat> that's a whole nother can of worms so my dad was there but if it had anything to do with me putting shame or a shadow on um my uncle it, uh, I felt like that was the point where he would flip a switch to IFB, mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, 
Uh, it makes sense. Um, so, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, so, so, okay. So definitely it was, so it was almost this feeling of isolation a little bit that kind of pushed it over. Right. And yeah. one of the other things that I think, you know, when you're talking about like going to your next hookup and, you know, you went through this time period of like sexual exploration, essentially. Um, now the thing is that the other thing that kind of sticks out and correct me if I'm wrong, but you sound, it sounds like to me, like you weren't in the position originally where it's like, oh yeah, I always struggled with sexual things, right? Like you weren't like, oh yeah, that as a kid, all as a teenager, that wasn't like your mainstay. Um, you know, it wasn't until you went through a lot of the stuff you went with, with the ex that I kind of, you know, you, well, I'm going to start exploring everything I've, I've missed out on. So one of the things that sticks out to me in that too, and I, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but because the IFB is also so weird about the sexual topics, we're not usually equipped at all about how fast that ball can actually roll because mm -hmm. no one talks about it. Yeah. We just know it as the bad word that's whispered and apparently it's okay to do when you're married, but that's about as far as it goes. Yeah. So what ends up happening is, and also, or you might hear this, well, boys really struggle with sex boys do girls yeah. not so much yeah i heard that all the time it's mm -hmm. not true exactly um, i <clears throat> i found <clears throat> some pornography really early on when i was young um and i had no clue what it was it kind of scared me um but after that it kind of sparked my curiosity a little bit but it wasn't something that i struggled with like it wasn't and when I say that, I'm saying that when I came back from my ex, I had an honest addiction to sex. So when I say I didn't struggle at it, at, with it as a child, like there might be, I mean, it's going to differ from person to person what that means. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But, you know, I had some curiosity with it, but it wasn't something that I struggled with all the boys were afraid of me when I was growing up. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have any temptation. I didn't have that, that conduit. It was, I just didn't have the option to struggle with it. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, boys, teenage boys tend to be scared of any girl. They're like, Oh, she's pretty. I don't know what to say. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, uh, my dad was a, a state trooper. He retired state trooper. Um, I was rough and tumble tomboy. I will kick your butt. That's why, that's why they were scared of me. <laughs> a proper Kentucky girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, and it's not to say that I wouldn't have, if I would have had that, there but um i wanted i wanted a boyfriend but it wasn't oh yeah it just wasn't something that i really struggled with i struggled more with wanting to listen to other musics i i really didn't there's a few songs that i knew like uh from the chipmunks movie we were watching that i was and i got hooked on the chipmunk song that was on there you had a bad day or whatever it is <laughs> yes <laughs> oh man back to my back to the emo early 2000s days oh perfect <laughs> yes um but yeah i struggled more with 
with music. I, I really, I thrived in IFB just because I was good at following rules. Mm -hmm. I knew what to say. I knew what to do to get that favor. Um, it wasn't something that I'm necessarily proud of now because it's kind of crippling being a rule follower. <clears throat> well, I mean, the other thing is, which is because you were the real follower, you were the people pleaser. So when all that comes crashing in, when you make one mistake, it all crashes down. It's kind of crippling because uh, yeah. yeah, I, oh no, I did the one mistake and I now don't know how to operate because my entire life was always pleasing people. Yes. Um, fun fact for you, my, my wife is, is very much the people pleaser type. She just wants to make people happy. She's sweet. She's, she'll do whatever she can. So therefore it's kind of the same thing. If somebody gets upset, or whatever is very crippling um, because her whole thing is I don't want to upset people mm -hmm. and I want to make people happy and make people like me and da, 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 da. Um, and she's also highly introverted as well. Uh, it's funny because I do this podcast and she won't, there's, I might get her for one episode and I've been kind of planting seeds and she's still like, mm, but people, <laughs> yeah so yeah uh, so it is it is funny uh but yeah i mean i i totally understand how that happens and then it's even worse with ifb like what with sexual things for women because again there is no resources there you know we're told that us men are the gross ones girls will never have sexual desires which is absurd um and then so it's crippling for a girl then they look down on women especially if it comes out that they do struggle with it mm -hmm. so i could totally see where that that you, you fell off the rails because the very people who are supposed to uplift you and bring you in bring you in to strengthen you in fellowship were mm -hmm. the ones who kept pushing you away or putting you down and mm -hmm. which means and I've said this before, if the church rejects you, the world will accept you. Yeah. And you, that's just that's what so happens. true. Yeah, it, it, exactly. I mean, that's what, that's, a, that's what happened. That makes perfect sense. And yeah. so thank the Lord that God brought in your, your current husband to, mm -hmm. to lift you up and build you up. And mm -hmm. it sounds like you have a uh, you've struck that, that balance and you're in that healing process. And Healing is not easy Well, when you go through a lot of this stuff because it's you have to deconstruct everything. Yes. But I was talking to some guys the other day in the RFP network. Like I, uh, I had a meeting with Nathan Cravat and Brian and a few others, and we were talking. And, you know, so often when people leave the IFB, they just deconstruct and that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, all this was garbage. And it's so hard to reconstruct. Yeah, it is. There's so many layers so many layers it blows my mind even still how just i mean it was just like a few weeks ago where i realized that i was going to church for the music instead of for the preaching mm. like i hadn't even thought of that until recently it's just layer after layer after layer of healing and with all those layers comes all the not all of it but pieces of anger and bitterness and resentment and it, they all tie in with each other too so it's just it's being very patient with yourself, being very gracious with yourself and being willing to be uncomfortable in order to um, revisit and relive some past hurts in order to see, you know, what direction you need to come from to begin to heal, to begin to mend. Um, 
and for me, some of that healing process has been learning how to disappoint people. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. yeah. Learning how to communicate with people that are disappointed with you. Because there's so many people that I love dearly, but I disappoint them just because I wear pants. It's right. just, you Another know. Another IFB culture thing, women have to wear skirts and pants. Yes. And music, only hymns. Yes. Which is why you're talking about the chipmunks. Like, sorry. I, I'm like, yes. oh, wait, not all my listeners. Are. <laughs> Fun fact for you, before we were part of the RFP network, we were our own thing. So we talked about IFP culture a little bit, but I talked about other things instead. So we have half the platform from RFP network and the other half from before. So yeah, I do try to give context. Continue. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. it makes sense. No, it's, it's all good. <laughs> That's important. I mean, but you're right. It's that whole, you know, for example, you having to learn to disappoint people. Uh, my, my wife had to go through the same thing. Uh, in, in fact, when her and I got together, uh, her, the, her family's more IFB. And the dad asked me to, my father asked me to break up with my wife for six months and not talk to her because, you know, there's rumor that I was trying to take advantage of her. And I'm like, no, I actually love her. And essentially through that was like this whole, Callie had to make a decision. Am I going to finally, am I actually going to disappoint my family or am I going to be with a man I love? And it, I tell you what, the hottest moment she's ever had in her life. She looked at me and she just goes, you know what? I chose to love you and they're going to have to learn to love you too. And I'm like, you are so hot right now. Uh, <laughs> 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 it is, it is, it is that growing process. And for me, I was always a fighter because my home life was so abusive. So I, mm -hmm. and every, I mean, we had, I mean, we're talking like objects flying at each other in the house level fights all growing up multiple times a week. And so what, what at the end of it, for me, once I got in and I was still in the IFB, but I disagreed with everything with the IFB, but I knew nothing else. So I stayed in it because I'm dumb. And, uh, but it actually, it's really that healing again, part of that healing process of like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to keep beating my head against this wall that they say is supposed to help me. Yeah. Um, and then I just became so combative and I was angry and argumentative. I mean, people who knew me back at, uh, back at Bible college would be like, yeah, will just walked around with too much dang fight me in his system. Uh, <laughs> someone would say something about music. And I'm like, that's stupid. And then I just go off about and challenge the IFB the entire time, but stay in it. And for me, I, I felt because of my fighting growing up, I actually usually felt more comfortable in a fight than at peace. I'm not even like, it was a weird thing I had to grow over time. And even to this day, mm -hmm. I'm more comfortable usually in a fight than if we're completely at peace with a certain group. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a weird thing that I'm constantly going at, you know, having to adjust and where my wife and you, someone like yourself, it's that adjusting of maybe I don't have to please everybody. Mm -hmm. Maybe so, I can have a little fight me in my system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, exactly. And that's where, yeah. me, that's where me and Callie balance each other out. She like reels me in and I, and I help push her out. It's pretty funny. It's that sounds a lot like the dynamic that my husband and I have. He's very much so the fight me in our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a balance. That's good. And yeah. I think it helps us who have been through certain things that we need that, that, that extreme balance to go, Oh, right. I could level out here, but like you said, it's also giving yourself that permission to go. Mm -hmm. It's okay to challenge the things that, that challenge me. Yeah. Um, maybe I do need to make myself uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to stop doing what I was raised as and start thinking for myself. And that's not in some like edgy atheist internet atheist way, right? Like, Oh, just gotta right. think for, <laughs> but like, mm -hmm. okay, no, hold on. Let me challenge these and do these hold up consistently, logically, biblically, 
And if mm-hmm. they don't, maybe, maybe that's just a tradition of man. And if that's yeah. a tradition of man, boop, throw it to the side and just work your way down. Um, that's at least what helped me in the healing process was just really going through topic by topic. Uh, it was actually kind of the very beginning of how this ministry ended up starting, but anyway, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think I, if there is one thing that I could share that really has made a difference in my life is that, you know, through all of the teachings and all of the experiences that I've gone through in church growing up with everything that I've been equipped with, when I went through the darkest part of my life so far, it was not the sermons. It wasn't the hymns. It wasn't the rules or the standards or the convictions that got me back to where I am. What got me back is people in my life that have chosen to allow the love of God to work through them, not in a judgmental or demeaning way, but just being who they are, being a loving and supportive person like my mom and my husband who have just been a steady person that I've been able to see in my life that have brought me back to where I am. It had nothing to do with, with everything that I'd been taught my whole life. Mm-hmm. And it really didn't. It had everything to do with the love of God being shown to the lives of the people that I love and that love me. Um, I just, uh, it blows my mind that I'm saying <laughs> that. It just, but that's what it was. It didn't have, um, it didn't have to be so structured. It didn't have to be so planned out. It just had to be the daily arm around my shoulder. I love you. I know you're struggling with this. We'll get through it. We'll go on from there. It was the Uh, actual living out of bearing one another's burdens. Yes. Yep. The, uh, actually, this is one of the things that I have a big uh, axe to grind, so to speak, uh, is the idea of how the church works. Because in the IFB, it's all about the preaching. Uh, you know, the preaching is the focus. Preaching is what changes the life. And then you go to some maybe the more modern churches, and it's all about the music, right? The music, the music, the music. Mm-hmm. We're going to just rock this bad boy out. And I'm mm-hmm. over here like, I love good preaching. I love, I mean, I've still, I still got some of that Baptist roots in me. I can go for some hard, hard preaching, not the stupid screaming, but I could get yes. some, I'm good with a straightforward, you know, Vody Bauckham is one of my yes. favorites to listen to because he just, I mean, he'll punch you in the face with truth and love, <laughs> but then, but on music is great too. But one of the things when I look at Acts, which is when the book of Acts, which is where the early church we see coming out after the ministry of Jesus and one of the consistent messages you'll notice is not the preaching and it's not even music. There's barely any music, by the way, mentioned in, in any of the Testaments um, besides the book of Psalms and maybe in some parts actually of the Torah, but not really the new Testament for the church age. And you'll have a couple of messages, maybe Peter preaching or, you know, a few others, but what you see consistent is the fellowship and the unity. And when he says uh, exhorting or encouraging one another unto love and good works and the fellowship, because that right there is what you're getting at people coming around each other, fellowshipping and building each other up Mm -hmm. just by a relationship. It's amazing how many people you can keep off the deep end 
by just being their friend mm-hmm. and not, and not some superficial thing, not the person who just says hi to them at church, but the person who reaches out, the person who has them over for dinner, the person who's just, Hey, I'm here for you. We're friends. The and person no that asks you how you're doing and actually means it. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, how are you guys really doing? Or, Hey, what's going on in your life? How, you know, and, and being open themselves. Cause that's the other thing is it seems like people uh, want to all the gossip from others, but they don't mm-hmm. want to tell what's going on. And I get told all the time, like, well, Will, sometimes you're an oversharer. I'm like, yeah, but I also don't ever want anyone to think that they can't talk to me. Yep. So I will tell them everything going on in my life. Why? Yeah. Because I want them to know that, that I'm a safe person to talk to. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think we need more of that sort of thing because that's what that's what got you back on track. And oddly enough, that's what got me back on track was just certain people who was like, no, Will, we love you. And I'm not letting I'm not letting you fall down there. You're struggling. We're going to get you back on track. Mm-hmm. And that was what my wife did. You know, she, she built me up and supported me uh, through a lot of stuff. So I think there's a lot of truth in what you said there. And I think that's where so many people miss the mark is because they're going to keep, well, I was told going to church. I was told mm-hmm. getting involved in the music ministry. I was told hearing good preaching will change. Well, why am I not changing? Because those things help feed a person who's already being built up. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't been built up at all, well, then you're starting, you know, 50 paces behind the starting line. Mm-hmm. And the church is meant to be a living, breathing organism where we build each other up. But instead, we seem to kind of like chop up the body of Christ and then hope that it operates. And it doesn't quite work that way. It's like trying to put a roof on a foundation without having any walls built. But exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think that... Um, I think that's, I think that is a great thing for people to take away from this. It's like, wow. And there's a lot of people I think that have fallen off the path that aren't being honest with themselves. And Mm -hmm. I think we, you know, I know when I fell off the path, it took a hard look in the mirror going, wow, Will, you done messed up and it's no one else's fault, but your own. And that's the other thing. It's like, yeah. And you and I both were talking like we were a mess, right? I was a mess. You were a mess. Um, And we could talk about things that kind of cost it, right? We could talk about different reasons why that may have happened but in the end we still have to look in the mirror and go but i messed up however there were things that could have helped me not have messed up if that makes sense yeah so i don't know if you feel the same way but that's what comes to my mind yeah yeah i I do i do feel the same way awesome well i don't want to take much more of your time i know this is sunday morning and uh you and i both got up early so we could do this (laughs) but (laughs) um before i close uh i i have one is there anything else you really quickly wanted to add that you were just like this is a a thought i had during my during my experiences or my stories or was that part about being lifted up with the main thing i wanted that was my last that was my my plug perfect okay and then my excuse me no, you're good. And my last question I ask every single person who comes on the podcast, it's not an overly complicated one. It's just one that's from your heart and uh, what you think. So we are told all the time that us, we call ourselves the church split, but that's only to be ironic, right? We want to unite the church, uh, unite yeah. the church in truth. 
And so it's meant to be ironic. Once in a while, I'll get a comment on YouTube. Why do you guys call yourself the church split? I'm like, good grief. <laughs> like, no, you see the church split, united and divided body. It's our little, it's our little plug up. So don't me. you guys have a sense of humor? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, guys. Uh, uh, the internet does not. I'm finding that out. <laughs> so I was told the other day that I had a Spider-Man comic up and I was lifting up the name of Spider-Man above Christ because I had a <laughs> Spider-Man comment, comic up here. I'm like, wait, what? Anyway. <laughs> Uh, the internet has no humor and no taste, but, uh, the question I have for you is we are told all the time, you know, the church was trying to divide people. And the reason why I wanted, I specifically asked you to come on was because I knew that you had, you had shared with me your story over messenger. And I was like, you know, I, I want people to know this. I want people to have access to know the fact that it's okay to have messed up and you can come back to Christ and you can come back to God. And it's okay to face your demons and then be and build up off of those. And actually those things can make you stronger. It can make you more effective in ministry. It can help you build people's lives up. So my question is though, how do you think that your story can help unite a divided body, a divided body of Christ? Sorry. Like the divided church. Uh, so when you brought this question to me, when we started talking about me coming on the podcast, I have thought about this so much. And every time I come to an answer that I think, oh, that might be all right, uh, I, I, I poke a hole in it. I'm like, oh, that, that would just not bring unity. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I decided that I'm not going to please everyone. And um, just if we spent as much time loving on people and being real and genuine, as we do trying to pick apart people and judge them then our entire lives I think would be different not only not only the church but just in general um, and I don't really know honestly if that's something that other denominations or or whatnot struggle with but I know that you know in the IFB that I grew up in judgmental thinking is huge like mm -hmm. huge um, that's something that I've always struggled with. Um, and I've just, one of the things that I've tried to focus on throughout healing from my own journey is that if I look at a person and I automatically judge them for what I see, I am cutting my chance of being able to show them the love of God, the way that I wanted the love of God shown to me. Hmm. Um, and I work at Starbucks. So that is a huge, um, you know, there's a huge variety of people that comes through, through Starbucks. I won't be able to even show them, like, it won't matter if I have the biggest smile on my face and I'm as welcoming and kind as can be. If I have judgment, judge them as soon as they walk through the door for what they're wearing, what they smell like, what they look like, that cuts my ability to be effective and what I want to do in my daily life. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good point. I like the way you worded that when we were talking about like, if we spend as much time loving each other, building each other up as we do, you know, picking people apart and judging them, then that would cause, that would help this huge divide. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm not talking, saying there's not righteous judgment before someone gets all ticked off at me in the comments because nobody knows how to take you in context. We have a whole episode about proper righteous judgment. Go check it out. Anyway, uh, but- <laughs> Uh, so 
I get ahead of the game. There's a reason why I make certain episodes where I'm like, yeah, <laughs> shut up, go check it out there. Leave me alone. Yeah. Um, but you know, the thing is, is uh, I was told once that if the church, uh, no, no, uh, one person said, if you were as concerned about your own sin and your own struggles as you were about everyone else's, we would already probably see a lot more growth in the church. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. Um, so yeah, not try to pick people apart, but pit, build them up. And I think that's important. And, you know, maybe that's something that that's probably something that I still struggle with because I tend to be the too much fight me in my system. So, uh, but it's a powerful thought and it's an important thought because I think a lot of times that does get overlooked. So, um, man, that's good stuff. I'm, I feel good this morning. I, I'm, I'm, already yeah, I do to, too. I'm already going to church in about an hour. So I'm excited because I just feel like, you know, um, this right here was good. This is growth. This is, this is what we, this is why we started this ministry. Uh, people uh, tell us all the time that, you know, all your apologetics and the theology stuff has been so helpful building us up like good because, but that my point was always to help people like like you, like me and others who have been broken and hurt by the division of the church, the harshness of the church, and how we can reframe our theology and biblical thinking to create healthier Christians. And I think you kind of hit on a lot of that today. So I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the opportunity to do this. I'm really thankful. Absolutely. And thank you again. Uh, and for those of you, uh, I will say this at the end here, guys, uh, on YouTube, any nasty comments left uh, that are uh, aimed at her will uh, be deleted. You can attack me all day, but I will not tolerate uh, Autumn being attacked for anything that she has done. It takes a lot to come on a public platform and talk about your story. And uh, until you until you do the same, uh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm not dealing with it. Uh, but you know that's just because some people get on the internet, man, and of course the keyboard warriors come out and they want to say harsh things and stupid things, and it's just not okay. So we're not going to allow any of that. Let's build one another up. I love that idea that you threw out there at the end, Autumn, about taking more time to build each other up than tear them apart. And I think that's biblical, right? So um, that's perfect. So Autumn, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And for the rest of you, tune in next time. Don't forget to like and subscribe and God bless. We'll see you on the next episode of The Church Split. Take care.